All right, episode 14. I'm in the middle of uh, an adventure race right now when you're listening to this, so obviously this is pre-recorded. Um, hopefully I'm doing well. Hopefully I'm honoring myself and just being a good teammate, pushing myself to the limits, and um, enjoying enjoying the moment, whatever moment that is I'm having, and just acknowledging and accepting what it is and embracing it, man. So anyways, uh, pre-recording here. Yeah, I was digging back through conversations with Mo and John, um, across the Beyond the Whiteboard guys, uh, and, you know, we recorded, like I said, last episode, I think, um, we pre-recorded a whole bunch of stuff because we were getting on and trying to figure out what format and shape our podcast was taking, so we spent five, six hours just around the dining room table talking and jamming, and I went back through most of those recordings and tried to find something cool about that I, that I could just cut in and play in order to maintain consistency with my podcasts and I picked this next clip that it, it kind of goes for 20 minutes and it goes through some stuff we start we open up with a question from Mo about interaction reports and then I start talking about well, why or do we even use them or what's the what's you know distilling things back down to what's the purpose of them and I just go on a stream of conscious thing where it just goes in and out, in and out through iterative learning processes, shared common experiences in order to make common meaning, um, uh, how how an open mind leads to actually learning and reframing and opportunities for growth and whatever, whatever. So I don't know. I, I listened back and I think there's places now as I've kind of gotten into a groove and I understand how I want to like engage with myself inside my head on certain conversations how I would definitely rip this apart and and reconstruct it now but um and I don't like listening to myself I don't know how you guys are even listening to me this next this next episode or clip, I, I come off as a little more intense and aggressive, which I know I can do. I'm self-aware that I can get that way when I get motivated or passionate about something in a in a teaching environment or just a, in an engagement environment. And it's hard for me to listen to myself with the uh, with the intensity. I can see how it could be a turnoff. I can I can hear and feel feedback that I've been given before and empathize with it right now. But um I'm still gonna I'm just gonna do it, put it out there, and if it gets less likes, doesn't matter because I think the information's good and um looking forward to get back and in, back into track or back into the groove of um thinking and processing about things a little bit better in a in us in segments in weekly segments and then sharing them but um i just i apologize for doing it this it's, it's a little bit of a um a, a digression from the pattern that i've set but um i think the information is good to share and i'd love to um make it a little bit more robust and flesh it out and fill it out more Maybe at another time, but I hope you guys enjoy. No 
cute, sexy transition, but um, I'm going to stop talking right now and cue in conversation with Mo and John. All right. Hope you're all well. Thank you. Uh, and you know, you mentioned uh, uh, after action, you meant after action report, right? After action report? Yeah. You, you mentioned mm-hmm. it a, a, a while, a little while ago. So we have this thing that we started just from a business. Anytime we go to an event, anytime we do anything, we'll, 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 we'll try to sit down and say, okay, hey, what happened? And we actually call them after an action reports. I, I think a lot of people in the business will do. I was just wondering, for, for you, what would you go through? Just like if you're like, okay, hey, some, some, something just happened, Where, whatever that event is, how would you go through sitting down a group of people to, to write an after action report? So let's remember to talk about that specific question about how I would help a group of individuals do that. But let's, let's preface everything by saying like, why do we do an after action report? Why do we do one? Um, to capture lessons learned. That's the idea behind it. Right. And why do we capture lessons learned so that we can repeat the things that we've did and did well that proved successful. And so that we can try to find different ways of doing the things that we didn't do so well or decisions that we made so that we can do them better the next time. Right. Like capitalize on things we did well, mitigate the things that we didn't. That's why we do an after action. But Sometimes I feel like we do the after action report for the sake of the after action report. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And if you're not invested in what I just talked about a minute ago about why we do it and you're doing it for the sake of just doing the after action report, fuck man, like quit wasting your time doing the after action report. Continue to to be marginal or at the level of success that you're at and then just save the time and go spend it with loved ones or whatever else. Like don't do the after action report. I mean, I think that's classic. That's classic. How many after action reports get done and then they get filed and then they never get dusted off and looked at? How many times have you taken an after action report and then either implemented products from it or pulled it out of the file cabinet before you started another event that was very similar to the after action report that you just did four years ago? Oh, hey, we're getting ready to do something that we did four years ago. Does anybody raise their hands and say, hey, let's go get that after action report and pull it out and read it? Do we do that? Then, then why did you do the after action report? Because we're foolish if we, or we're over prideful or over arrogant or something if we think, oh, well, I just I just through the process of doing the after report, I'm a better person now and I'm going to always remember that. Maybe that's true to a, a certain degree, more or less for others. But um, I mean, I think that's a conversation. I think that just even just even mentioning that out loud is huge. We don't even have to talk about it. It means millions of words to many people already. But um, so now how do I help people do after action reports? You have to, you have to replay. You have to replay the events. Like you have to set conditions for everybody because we all perceive what happened. We're all perceiving our experiences from a singular lens. And one thing's for certain all of our lenses are a little bit different. They're not precisely focused in, in, in a synchronous fashion, right? So what you do is you have to recollect everybody's perception of what happened. Um, enter the video age. You know, you want to do awesome after action reports, video capture. And let's have a conversation with somebody. And I've got it on video. Well, I mean, the NFL does it fabulously, right? Um, elite training units do it 
fabulously. They're videotaping their kill houses and then they go, they come out of the kill house and they talk about it. Hey, well, this happened and this happened. Well, this, I did this and I did this. Well, what was going on in your head when that was happening? Well, this one, I was thinking this and I saw this and I saw that and I did this. And it's like, well, actually you didn't. What do you mean? Well, because that wasn't the scenario. I'm not calling you a liar. I'm just saying that you missed part of it. Your, your perception or your, you know, what you were interpreting from the signals is because I've got it on camera. And I got like these seven different angles of this camera. And hey, like you didn't actually go in and do this and do that. You Maybe you think you did, but you didn't. I got it on video. And so that's a really cool way of re-baselining everybody's experience. So at the infantry officer's course, um, we started to change our instruction. And the learning process prior to this, now we didn't invent it. Somebody else introduced it and we just kind of, studied a little bit and then adapted and evolved it on our own. So, you know, we didn't think this up. This wasn't ours. I just don't know where it came from, but somebody, we were talking about it and it, and it came down to the iterative learning process. It probably was out there before us. Everything is right. Um, but we were coming across it. And what we were finding is a training continuum for a, a lesson would go like this. You would be told to read a book or a lesson plan come to class and we were going to give you some platform instruction, be a PowerPoint, be a speaker. There'll be some conversation. Then we were going to go to a battle board or a terrain model or something like that. And we were going to sand table things in a classroom type setting around like moving miniatures and things like that. And Hey, in developing potential decision points and whatnot, whatnot. And then we were going to go out and do an exercise, a practical and then we were going to take a test. Sometimes the test came before the practical, right? Regardless of where the test came before or after the practical, um, if you failed the test, what happened? Go back and read the material again. Go to a remediation class. Go to a remediation sand table. Take the test again, right? Like, I mean, and that was a very lineal streamline and boom, boom, boom. And it, and it, and it makes sense, I suppose. But then... um if you have a classroom of 70 or 80 students between the ages of, they're all college graduates, between the ages of 22 and 30, from all walks of life, we were all male at the time, not a, doesn't matter, male or female, you can have a mixed, I don't, I'm indifferent, um, but, but that was the, the, the thing, you know. Black people, white people, Hispanic people, whatever, um, different religions. Anyways, different demographics from around the world, socioeconomic statuses, all in this collection. We were all now, the thing that we shared in common was we were all Marine officers and we were all infantry officers, right? That's what the students all had in common. But very generally, that was it, you know? They all come from different experiences. They all have very, very different baselines. So when they come to class, right, or they read a book, we try to make meaning of the information that's coming in. We reference it off of our experiences to make meaning. So you reading a book or you listening to a lecture and some PowerPoint, you're going to, for majority of that material, you're going to bounce it off of who you are based off of your experiences. And I'm going to do the same for me and you're going to do the same for you, whatever, for all the, one thing's for certain. 80 of those students, there's not one single sheet of music 
there might be semblances of the same sheets of music, but we have, so we're already walking in to a learning environment. Everybody has different experiences, different baseline to even receive, to make meaning of the information, right? And then we go to the sand table and we practice and it gets, it gets a little closer. Then we go outside and we do an exercise. What if, what if we go and we just go, we give you a lesson plan and say, Hey, we're going to get ready to go to the field and we're going to do this. And here's, Hey, read this. What if we go do the exercise first? Let's just all get together and we're going to go do the exercise. And I already know that there's an amount of loss by doing the exercise first, right? But that's measuring the wrong thing because the gain is that I've just baselined everybody's experience. Now let's go back to the classroom and let's teach. And while we're teaching, guess where you're going to, what you're going to use as your baseline to reference to make meaning of the information I'm giving, our shared common experience. And what we're finding then, and it doesn't have to be, we could do the sand table first. We, We played with it. We did the sand table exercises first, and then we gave the instruction. And we use the sand table as the baseline. Just depends on what you're doing, you know, um, and being creative about mixing that. But but number one is creating a shared common experience. So now when the transmission of information comes in, it can have greater meaning. The stickiness of the information can be more consistent across the board and it can be richer and deeper. It makes more sense. That iterative process, doing it that way, our, our development and growth and development just skyrocketed through the roof in training students. And what's cool is, is when you had to remediate, because we didn't, we weren't satisfied with the first practical because that was their first experience, right? Like we never really went back into the same practical again to remediate it, to get it better, to get the fit. Like we tackled something new that was a little harder and we were able to use that last practical as the baseline for reference for the information we're teaching. And then we did something a little more challenging. And what happened is, is diminished return on that practical, but inside of executing that event, the skills, the information, the knowledge from the previous practical was gained. So now we're actually, when you look at the whole timeline of things, we're being more efficient with our time because we're doing things faster and it's more richer and deeper in meaning because we're baselining off of the shared common experience. And we started doing it that way. And that, that's what I do with my leadership company is, is give people a shared common experience. It's about the collection and then being so in tune with what we did, teaching the lessons off of the experience that I just deliberately created. I set the stage and the conditions to give us this, to help me or help support me, give you the lessons that I want to give you or what you're even coming to me to teach you for because you're having trouble with your life. I don't want to assume that I know what you're going through and then start to give you advice and tell you that my shit is going to fix you. That's foolish. It, it might, it might not, but why wouldn't I let, let, let's create a scenario and let's get, let's get deep with each other and get to know each other. And then we're going to start tackling these things. And then we're going to figure out how that makes meaning to you out there. And that's what I do with my, my business now is I, I do that instead of like walk into a company and, and try to assess what's going on. And then I give you my material and you guys like, I'm going to help you because I'm going to give you my shit. 
right? I don't like, I don't, I don't write a syllabus. I don't have course outlines. I don't do anything because if you do that, number one, companies are going to rip you off. They're going to take it for their own. They all want to, they all want to have a booklet or an outline. What are you going to teach me? And then you're going to go and you're going to teach you and then they're going to keep it and they're going to do it on their own. Like, so I, I have a problem with that. I have a problem with those kinds of people. Um, but more importantly, what happens is it becomes more about me giving you my shit for me, for the sake of me giving you my shit. I'm going to teach you why well, it's not about me. It's supposed to be about you. So I want to make it make meaning to what's going on for you guys. And, um, so back to the after actions, right? I mean, that thought process there that I'm sharing, pull, pull the after actions in, you're doing an after action. You have to rebaseline everybody to what, what were we doing? What did we set out to do? What was happening? What were you thinking when this happening? Well, I was starting to think this. Well, why is that? Why is there dissonance between what you were thinking and the decisions you were making with off of what we all just already agreed on that we were out to do collectively? And you have to operate from a common operating picture. And if you're video capturing and voice recording and, and all of that, you can bring everybody back to the moment and no, no, like you thought this was happening or you think you were doing this or you think this is what was going on, which, but that wasn't what was happening. And now we can start to pinpoint places where you can improve or pinpoint places that you can actively try to do better at the next time you're in this situation. Otherwise, I'm going to sit here and say, well, when we were doing this, we did this and you did that. And you're in, the, in your mind, you're thinking like, no, that's not, I, I didn't do that. Uh, and and, then, and then, then I've already got um, opportunity loss for making positive, effective change. So, you know, when we're setting up after actions, like to me, that's what it is. It's recreate that common operating picture, get everybody on the same sheet of music, seeing and hearing and feeling exactly the energies and the situations and what was happening in the moment, sharing all the information because you were having, you were, you were privy to information that I wasn't, whether it was sight, sound, feel, whatever it was, thoughts. And even though we're in the same situation, like that information is important. So let's get all of the information on the table and let's sift through it and scratch off the stuff that not so much circle the stuff that is so much in common to all baseline everybody. And now let's, let's after action objectively instead of subjectively. So when you're, when you're doing, when you're doing quality after actions, that's the process. And I, I think, I mean, that's a very, very oversimplified and we can dig into that and you can poke a couple of holes in here and, and whatnot. But I mean, we're just having conversation now about it. So I mean, there's super smart people that can science the shit out of it with how the mind works and connects things. You know, uh, Zoll, Zoll wrote a book that I was, when I was getting my master's degree in leadership and, in um, uh, education development was introduced to a guy. He wrote a book called Zoll. Uh, Zoll was the guy that wrote a book and it had something to do with the brain and it talked about how the brain worked and, that helped me make meaning to why what we did when we adapted or adopted the iterative learning process, why like, Oh, now I see why it was working. Cause here's some of the science behind it. And now with, and now I can have my, my anecdotal experiences and in, in evidence for something that was successful validated through science. Like, and now after, after that, like, because, you know, I went to IOC, I was instructed at IOC in 2004. I got my master's in 2010. The master's degree, very much like the conversation I had with the Olympian, right? Making meaning of 
my ambush experience with the conscious mind, subconscious mind is like, wow. Like, I mean, that's, that's called growth, right? Like it's, it's my experiences today and the things that I are making sense of things that I did before either validating or telling me, wow, I could have done that better. Or wow, I really I stumbled upon that and did that right. Like, it's cool. I get excited by that. You know, I went to um, university of Maryland as part of my uh, tour at the Naval Academy. You have to have a master's degree and we get it in professional studies of leadership. Um, and I thought I'm a, I'm an 18 year Marine with, I think I had like seven or so years overseas of which I had maybe two and a half years of combat experience. Not saying that that's in, in all of itself, but like I had a very dynamic and robust collection of experience enlisted and officer, you know, in an infantry community. And, um, I'm going into my studies at university of Maryland, kind of like, what are these civilians who haven't spent a day outside of the academic community, these professors, what are these guys going to teach me about leadership? I've, I mean, I'm not that arrogant to think that I've done all of it, been there, done that, everything. Like I knew that, but I, I had been there and done a lot. And so I went in there and then I would even actively fight this mindset. I was, I think I was, uh, mature enough intellectually and, and, and emotionally that I would fight that. Like, Hey, stop. Like these, they have to know something. You're going to learn something. You're going to learn something from your peers. Uh, humility runs in my nature. And so I would, I would be aware of that and I would fight it. But I mean, really I'm, well, I'm going to, I'm going to college and I'm going to learn from a bunch of people that have had their whole life has been in the book. Their nose has been in a book and that's very judgmental, but I mean, that's kind of what was going on. Right. And what's funny is when I got into the studies a little bit more and then I was able to suppress and suppress my ego, open up my mind a little bit, allow myself to say, Hey, you do know what you know and that's okay. And that's good. And you know a lot, but if you confine yourself to what you know, you're never going to learn or you're never going to be able to have a deeper meaning of what you know, or you're never going to be able to know more, never going to have a chance to, find out that you don't really know what you know. You know what I mean? It's okay believing in something, but then allowing you to understand what somebody else believes. It might actually shed light on what you believe. It might help you believe something different and better, or it might just even further root your belief in what you believe in. Love that stuff, man. That's the dialogue stuff that we say and is absent in the world today. But um, I learned so much more than I thought I would during that year of studies and it was book stuff, science stuff, social uh, dynamic type stuff. And what it did was it made my career and the experiences that I had in my career have such greater meaning to me than they superficially did. I wasn't aware that the meaning that I was getting from my experience was even superficial. To me in the moment, I just thought they like, yeah, hey, these are real. These are deep. This is the shit. Yet, until I was exposed to this with an open mind and willing to to onboard, did I realize that that the the depth of my experiences was was very superficial in how I processed them. And this piece of information now in 2010 in Maryland gave us such a more significant value to that. It validated a lot of things. It it 
made me realize, wow, I really could have done that better. It make, helped me make sense of other situations. Like I, now I know why this worked. I didn't even know why I was doing it. I just was doing it, you know? And, and that, that's really freaking cool. And um, I try to do that in my life, like open mind. I mean, everybody says, hey, keep an open mind. Everybody uses that phrase so much that it has no meaning. Uh, keep an open mind. You know, positive psychology. Everybody uses those phrases so much like that they forget what it's really about, you know? I mean, at least for me, it does. Like somebody say, hey, keep an open mind. Yeah, yeah, I got an open mind. I'm listening to you. I get it. I, I know what keeping an open mind is. Do you really? Do you really know what keeping an open mind Because let me tell you what keeping an open mind is. It's allowing yourself to be vulnerable in the chance. It's allowing you to take risk that maybe there's an opportunity for you to learn more. Maybe there's an opportunity that what you think you know isn't really the end. Or maybe you're just not as good as you think you're really good. Maybe you're just really not as good as you think you are. You're still good. No offense, but let's, let's, let's redefine this self-assessment. We talk about this self-assessment that we all have. Let's take a chance. Let's take a risk that that self-assessment might be off. Maybe it's better than you give yourself credit for, but maybe it's not quite, you know, I'm always looking for opportunities of growth, opportunities for growth. You know what I mean? Not looking for pats on the back, looking for opportunities of growth. That's reframing.